For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. The bigmouth buffalo carp is the oldest age-validated freshwater fish on the planet. The oldest saltwater fish being the Greenland shark, which isn't for sale if you're asking. The bigmouth buffalo is native to North America and can weigh in at over 80 pounds, but the oldest of the 386 wild-caught fish collected in a recent study was only 22 pounds at her astonishing age of 112 years old when she was caught near Pelican Rapids, Minnesota. Kind of flies in the face of the oldest is the biggest mantra we have in the outdoor world, doesn't it? In this study, five bigmouth buffalo carp were aged at over 100 years old. Almost 200 carp were in their 80s or 90s, leaving little doubt as to the longevity of the species. Because of the long lives of these carp, scientists have realized that there are major reproductive gaps in this fish history. 85 to 90 percent of fish taken from multiple populations were over 80 years old. Typically, a study like this would reveal multiple age classes. This suggests the possibility that the building of dams in the 1930s seriously restricted the fish's ability to reproduce. In order to get a super accurate idea of age, the scientists in this study used bomb radiocarbon dating. Bomb, referring to atomic bomb tests carried out in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. The A-bomb test increased the amount of carbon-14 isotope in the environment, leaving a permanent measurable marker that can be measured against pre-bomb test or pre-carbon-14 isotope spike materials. But back to the fish. Big native carp like these have long been considered and are referred to as, quote, trash fish. 
And I'll just say right now, that's incredibly unfair and flat out wrong. In fact, with the increasing number of non-native invasive species filling our waterways, the importance of keeping our native fish healthy cannot be understated. The reason for this is, if our fish species are so healthy, their combined biomass in a system will prevent more fish from moving in. No room at the end, so to speak. On top of that, the big mouth buffalo actually eats invasive zebra mussels during their larval stage. These mussels are a serious threat to native species, infrastructure and waterways, and recreation. In my mind, this act alone makes the big mouth buffalo carp much more of a trash collector or civil servant than a trash fish. This week, Swimmer's Ear and Neanderthal, Gordon Ramsay poaches more than just eggs, stream access, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. A few old guide buddies came through for an end-of-summer fishing trip. A couple of highlights for you. This first one is for our collective social education. I learned my childhood friend, classmate, current Seattleite, and fellow ex-guide Kelsey Clevenberg associates himself with a very French society of men called Flaneur. A flaneur, as it was explained to me, openly values leisure, sleeping in, and lounging. All traits we Americans typically do not consider uh, valuable. Since I will be the best man in his upcoming wedding, I felt that I owed it to the world to better understand just what a flaneur is. The word flaneur means stroller, lounger, saunter, or loafer, often with the connotation of wasting time. A flaneur is also described as a detached observer, a, quote, botanist of the sidewalk, according to Baudelaire, A flaneur also shuns an overly orderly plan in favor of flexibility. And finally, my favorite quote on the subject of flaneur comes from the author and actress Cornelia Otis Skinner. Quote, There is no Anglo-Saxon counterpart of that essentially Gaelic individual, the deliberately aimless pedestrian, unencumbered by any obligation or sense of urgency, who, being French and therefore frugal, wastes nothing including his time, which he spends with the leisurely discrimination of a gourmet savoring the multiple flavors of his city. If you're still confused, this Seattle-based buddy of mine could be described as the dude from the amazing Coen Brothers movie, The Big Lebowski, if the dude was a bit more techie and really into CrossFit. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So now you know what a flaneur is, and like myself, will now be forced to categorize some of your buddies or your own behavior a little differently. Back to the fun fishing part, or the second highlight of the trip. This one came as a direct result of being flexible, much like the aforementioned flaneur. We were rewarded by refusing to follow a rigid plan. We initially geared up for three days of fly fishing and floating, but at the last minute, I threw in my box of spear fishing gear. Wetsuits, a pole spear, an actual spear gun, mask, snorkels, flippers, gloves, booties, and a weight belt. Very glad I threw this pile of gear into the already overstuffed truck as the diving conditions were about as good as they could possibly be in Montana. Visibility is always a factor when diving, and despite lakes looking clear in Montana, they often have sediment suspended in the water, which makes finding fish, not to mention actually spearing fish, uh, pretty darn difficult. These uh, couple of days offered spectacular visibility and abundance of aquatic life. 
couple of fun observations. I found that if you swam to the bottom of the lake and raked the finer pea-sized gravel, schools of carp would come in to inspect the digging. You may not like carp, but I'll tell you they're surprisingly fun to observe and dig in the gravel with. I also discovered that walleye are curious fish. This was huge for me as I have always wanted to find a more interesting way to add walleye to my diet. Finding the spots walleye like to hang was very difficult, but once I located a few, shooting walleye was relatively simple. Swim down to where they are holding, in this case about 18 feet down, and sit or lay on the bottom for as long as you can. 30 to 40 seconds was enough on most of these dives. Sitting on the bottom, trying to be as patient as possible, is tough. You have this ticking clock or beating clock as your heart continues to thump despite needing oxygen and not getting it. You know, time is running out, but you have to be still and patient. Luckily, or unluckily, I suppose, there were plenty of non-fish things to focus on and inspect, like old twister-tailed jig bodies, crankbaits, and a few fishing rods stuck in the rocks. Took my mind off of uh, my lungs imploding. About the time my brain would be in total freakout mode and my lungs felt like they were going to burst, I'd calmly look over my shoulder and notice that a walleye had slid into my slipstream. <coughs> then another couple walleye would come in and give me a big walleye type of look over. Even got to witness a big walleye swim through a small school of bait fish like a humpback whale gulping krill. It was an amazing experience. Once the walleye got close and comfortable, it was just a matter of pulling groceries off the shelf, in a way. We shot almost two limits of walleye and picked up a couple of bonus freshwater drum. Both the drum and the walleye were very good eating, and in my opinion, getting some exercise swimming, diving, and hunting them was a hell of a lot more fun than waiting to detect a finicky walleye bite on the end of your line. Despite the national obsession with walleye, they have always kind of bored me. Again, they're very subtle eaters. Detecting a strike takes serious time on the water. And when you do hook a walleye, in my experience, they just don't put up much of a fight. I know this is seriously contentious with Joe and Jane walleye fishermen, and I'll admit I do not have extensive walleye experience, but I'll still tell you, in the future, when possible, I'll be targeting all my walleye with a spear rather than a rod. Nothing wrong with a little more exercise per walleye in the coop. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support. And that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person. And that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com slash cal. That's meatfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver, 
off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Moving on to the anthropology desk and letting you know that uh, this type of watery physical activity may come at a cost, and apparently always has, repeated exposure to cold water, like we were diving in, can cause something called surfer's ear. That's the layman's term for external auditory exostoses, or bony growths that build up in the inner ear canal in response to irritation caused by repeated dips in cold water. Quite coincidentally, a recent study of Eurasian Neanderthal skulls revealed a surprisingly high occurrence of surfer's ear. Now, the sample size is relatively small, but these skulls may still offer a snapshot into Neanderthal life. I highly doubt this snapshot will reveal any ancient surfboard design, but I'll follow along and let you know. About half of the 23 skulls in this study suggest that Neanderthals likely spent a lot of time foraging in and around water. Additionally, an equal prevalence of surfer's ear in both male and female Neanderthals suggests that men and women shared the same hunting and foraging responsibilities. A set-in-bone fact that hunting and fishing is just as female as it is male. I find stuff like this generally fascinating, but it also makes me think that if you really like to fish or clam or forage seaweed and get roped into one of those genetic testing services and your results come back with Neanderthal DNA, you can just nod your head and say something like, yes, of course. I mean, you won't be entirely right, but you won't be all that wrong either. Moving on, but sticking with the ancestral fishing desk... Gordon Ramsay, the celebrity chef made famous by the series Hell's Kitchen, got some ink the other week when he admitted to fond childhood memories of poaching salmon with his father in Scotland. 
poaching, like he and his dad were illegally taking game, not the cooking technique. It's ridiculous! Fishing in Scotland is, in my humble opinion, extremely complicated. Waters where salmon can be found are generally private. These private waters are either locked up solely for the landowner or leased to fishing clubs, hotels, lodges, or angling associations. In order to get on water with a reasonable chance at catching a salmon, an angler will more than likely have to spend a lot of cash. You'd have to book a spendy spot on a salmon river, a beat as they call them there, stay at a posh lodge that provides beats, or purchase membership in a fishing club. Most beats are offered to the current leasee, meaning that if it's good, the beat will rarely, if ever, change hands. So an angler will have to secure a subprime beat and wait on the anglers with prime beats to move on or go away or die, allowing everyone with the subprime beats to kind of move up the river beat ladder into a better fishing spot and better opportunity. None of this makes Ramsey's history of poaching acceptable, but it does paint a picture of how someone who wants to fish could look at this system and say, screw it, I'm going fishing. And they taste absolutely delicious. Frustrating as I find this whole private water thing, it does allow me to once again talk about how awesome some of the fish and game laws are in America and how darned lucky we are to be able to enjoy access to rivers and forests owned by us, the people, not a fishing club or crown estate. That being said, it's incumbent on all of us to protect our exceptional access rights. Look at what's going on in the state of New Mexico in regards to this very thing. According to the New Mexico State Constitution, the unappropriated water of every natural stream, perennial or torrential, within the state of New Mexico is hereby declared to belong to the public. Sounds good. But accessing that water has become something of a challenge over the past few years. In 2015, New Mexico passed a bill taking away public use of stream beds that cut through private property. Before that, those stream beds were considered public land, just like they are here in the great state of Montana. That legislation flew in the face of New Mexico's own attorney general, who wrote an opinion in 2014 explicitly stating that streams are public domain. But wait, there's more. In 2017, the New Mexico Department of Fish and Game enacted a program that allowed landowners to apply for permits barring all public use of rivers and streams that go through their property. The five landowners who got these permits last year were allowed to prevent people from even floating on top of the water. Some even erected fences all the way across rivers that were, up until a few years ago, public land, locking out boaters and anglers who've been enjoying those waters their entire lives. Now, for good news, the current state game commission, recently appointed by the new governor, voted to temporarily halt this program of river and stream privatization while the New Mexico Attorney General's office reviews the legality of the whole deal. Folks, this is not a new issue. Water access in this country is contentious and confusing. Laws about how you can legally get to and use rivers, streams, lakes, and seashores differ from state to state, and you need to be respectful of private land. In order to stay hip on this stuff, a couple years ago, our friends at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers put together a report that outlines the basics for each state. You can find it on their website, and I suggest you do so. And, as per usual, if you live in New Mexico or spend money recreating in that beautiful state, call your New Mexico state senators and let them know what you think. This is a huge topic, and I could spend multiple episodes on it, but for now, 
I'll leave it at this. The public trust doctrine gives us historic rights to access and use our waters for fishing, fowling, and navigation. But those rights are not guaranteed in the Constitution. So if we don't continue to fight for them, we could wind up like jolly old England. Meaning, we'd all have to join fishing clubs, wear breeches, and pay a lot of money to get our boots wet. I'd prefer to keep the system and the pants we've got over here. That's all I've got for you this week. Be sure to let me know how I'm doing at AskCal, that's A-S-K-C-A-L, at TheMeatEater.com. Subscribe, download, and leave me a review wherever podcasts are streamable and downloadable. If you want to follow along even more, uh, you can check me out on my Instagram account at OldCal406. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks, sent right to your door visit mauinuivenison.com that's m-a-u-i-n-u-i venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order